The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. Museums are important whether we work in them, for them, or simply love visiting them. Throughout history, people have collected things and put them on display to enjoy. But today's museums offer much more than rooms filled with stuff. They provide places to learn and share experiences with family and friends, as well as sanctuaries to unplug, rest, and refresh. On today's show, we'll discuss how museums can remain relevant and sustainable, reach out to new audiences, and remain attuned to cultural and technological trends. Now, here's your host, Carol Bossert. Welcome. This is Carol Bossert, and you're listening to Museum Life. I'm so glad that you could join us on our our show today. Uh, Listeners who uh, were with us last week know that I'm doing about a a four or five program series about uh, leadership and uh, governance. And today's show, we're and and our careers. And so today's show really is going to focus on this concept of leadership. You know, it doesn't take long in any kind of museum conference, whether we're at the local level or whether we're at the American Alliance of Museums or or at ICOM, and I'm sure it's true in international um, museum uh, conferences as well, it doesn't take long uh, to get the discussions going and someone will stand up and say, you know what we need? We need better leadership. Well, that's probably true, but We all talk about this idea of leadership, but what are we really talking about? What is leadership? What makes a good leader? Can anybody be a leader? Is it something that can even be taught? Well, today to help us answer some of these questions is a very, very wonderful colleague of mine, John Durrell. And uh, John has more than 30 years of experience working in and with museums and cultural organizations. John and I both spent a brief time in Baltimore, Maryland, working in various institutions where we got to know each other. In uh, since 1997, John has been consulting with nonprofit organizations nationwide, helping leaders and strategic uh, planners doing business planning and board and staff development. And in 2005, he formed Durrell Consulting Partners with his wife, Anita Durrell. John has extensive experience working with leaders of all types in in all kinds of museums, and he is also active in developing future museum leaders. He directs the Seminar for Historical Administration, which is the premier leadership development program for emerging leaders in history organizations. And currently, John is also teaching an online course on leadership in museums as part of the John Hopkins University Master 
Master's in Museum Studies program. Uh, and throughout the show, I'll share even a little bit more about uh, John and his wonderful background. So I can think of no one better who can lead us in our discussion today. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Carol. It's a delight to be here. Thank you. John, uh, as I I start out every program and I ask all of my guests to help uh, ground our listeners and some of the the, uh, views and thoughts you're going to share today, could you take a few minutes to give us a brief background about your own career trajectory and your leadership experiences? Sure. Um, I often tell the uh, leaders that I'm coaching that uh, they've got to be able to tell their story and tell it in a way that teaches uh, about leadership and about their institutions and about themselves and who they are. Um, So thanks for the opportunity to tell a little bit of my story. I really became interested in leadership um, when I started consulting. So it's about 15 years ago when I found myself in a position to help others become better leaders. And so that's when I started to take um, more of an academic or purposeful uh, view of leadership and trying to understand exactly what what makes a leader successful, what are the practices and skills and, and qualities that makes a leader successful. But I think like a lot of people, my own journey in leadership Um, kind of evolved and um, long before I was aware or even interested in the concepts of leadership, I found found myself developing as a leader. Um, I think probably the first real experience I had uh, as a leader was when I was um, uh, after college and I uh, went into the uh, U.S. Navy and found myself as a uh, a uh, very junior officer in charge of some very old, much older and much more experienced people than I was. But I was the one who ostensibly was the leader of the division that I was running. Um, a lot of people who become leaders know very early on uh, in their lives um, that they're going to be leaders. They're the ones who organize their playmates. Let's do this. Let's do that. Um, I wasn't that kind of a leader. I kind of took a long, much longer to develop my own leadership. Um, to clarify the difference between having a leadership position and being a leader, and I think that we all know this intuitively. Some people occupy positions of authority, leadership positions, who don't really um, uh, don't have all the skills necessary to be good leaders. And then there are some people who um, become leaders, even if they don't have a position of authority, they step up, they make decisions, they get other people to follow them. Um, To me, it was the being placed in positions of authority that helped me discover and develop myself uh, as a leader. So in the Navy, uh, I was uh, running a division um, of uh, uh, communicators and navigate the navigation division, the communication division. And I learned very quickly that I had to depend upon people with a lot more experience than I for me to be able to succeed. And so a big lesson that at that time for me was establishing really respectful relationships with the people who surrounded me to help me become a much better um, leader, um, become more effective in my work. 
Then I went to graduate school. And then after graduate school, went to work in museums. So this would have been back in the uh, uh, late 70s that I started. Started out as an uh, educator. Um, once again, found myself supervising uh, people who were much older than me. And I think that's a common um, challenge for, for young museum leaders. They're often placed in that kind of a position. And again, it was the ability to develop um, uh, good working relationships, respectful relationships that enabled me to succeed. Um, but it's a tough one because you also have to hold people accountable. So you, you build a strong relationship, you want to support them, but you also have to hold them accountable. So I worked my way up uh, into uh, more and more senior positions within the museum world, and then um, ultimately became an executive director. And that was a really tough year for me. Um, and uh, I lasted only a year as the executive director. Um, and um, the lessons there were really important. The museum I was leading was in dire financial straits. We we're building a new building, expanding. We hadn't raised all the money to do so. When we opened, our, our attendance didn't meet projections, so we were unable to keep it going. And um, while lots of people share the blame for that, certainly the board, certainly the, the previous uh, director, um, I also accept responsibility. When you're the leader, you accept responsibility for the results because one of the things you learn as a leader is that you can't control everything. And um, you do as much as you can to make sure that things happen the way you want them to happen, that people who have decisions to make that are going to affect your success, you want to make sure that they make the right decisions. But ultimately, you don't control everything. You influence a lot of it, and then you have to take responsibility. So leadership is a risky business. Um, and it was from there that I really discovered that my true strength lie in in uh, coaching and encouraging others um, to be leaders. Uh, and you asked, one of the questions you asked at the beginning was, can you learn leadership? I'm not sure. You can learn leadership. Can it be taught? I'm not so sure. It can be coached. But a lot of it depends upon the individual and uh, learning through mistakes, learning through, by taking risks, uh, learning by putting yourself out there and, uh, and, and seeing what happens, but doing so through a kind of a network of support. That's John, you've said, you've said a lot of very, very important things. And I, I just want to underscore uh, a, a couple of them that, that really struck me. One, as you say, uh, uh, many leaders begin their careers by uh, leading people who are older than they are of a different generation, uh, different backgrounds. And that's uh, requires a, a, a respectful approach just because you're the leader and the boss doesn't mean that you get to get away with just saying do it my way or else. Uh, and it seemed and and uh, the other point you made and I and uh, having been in Baltimore at the same time you were and 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 struggling, uh, we were sort of on parallel struggles and struggling institutions. Uh, I. 
I really take to heart what you're saying about being the leader and taking responsibility uh, for you know, what what befell, but more importantly, having the courage to step back and being self-aware and saying, you know, my strengths lie someplace else, and I can I am a coach uh, a coach and a consultant, and the and the and that's really where my career lies, and I and I I really I've always admired you for that. Uh, and and I think that it is a lesson that we don't preach enough uh, within our mu- our own museum community. So I'm really glad you raised that up. Some of the um, literature um, it talks about learning from failure, and that leaders learn how to learn from failure. Um, and um, we have a, a, a quip because I you know I, I do coach now something on the order of twenty or thirty. Uh, uh, museum leaders every year through various ways. And um, and I guess if you count it, the students that I teach, uh, we're up to 60 or 70 uh, people who are learning how to become leaders. And we're all always learning how to become leaders. But uh, every so often, I have to coach someone who's been fired, uh, that they put themselves out there and things haven't worked out. It has. It's been the wrong place or the wrong time. Um, for their talents. And, um, but when I get the word, when somebody says, you know, I've, you know, I've been fired, I just say, well, welcome to the club. Because I know a lot of very successful museum leaders and museum directors who've been fired at one point, uh, or more than once along their, their careers. Um, one of the things you learn is resilience. You learn how to, um, um, uh, get back up, say, well, that was tough. That was embarrassing. But I've still, I'm who I am, I've got a lot of talent. I've got something I can offer. So let's do it. I think that's a very important, uh, another very important point to make, and particularly for our listeners who are early on in their career. Uh, don't be afraid of doing something that you feel is right and risking uh, the the uh, the consequences uh, because you know being fired is not the worst thing that can ever happen to you and in fact it can be a particularly important uh, uh, growth opportunity it doesn't feel good at the time I'll never <laughs> none of us will ever say that uh, your little ego gets a little bit bruised and it's time to take a long vacation to Paris but after that you pick yourself up and you get back on on uh, on on doing what is what is right for you to share you know to share your light. Um, so uh, this is a good spot for us to take our first commercial break. Uh, we will be back in just a, a moment. Before we go on break, though, I want to remind all of you that you can always keep the conversation going by visiting me at on my website carolbossertservices.com or dropping me an email at carol.bossert at verizon.net. When we come back, I'll also share some of John's contact information because you might just need a leadership coach someday. Uh, So we will be back in a moment with uh, Museum Life talking with John Durrell about leadership. Back in a moment. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Hello, welcome back to Museum Life. I'm Carol Bossert, and today we're talking about what it means to be a leader uh, in the museum world, although I think it's probably uh, can be broadened out to a variety of professions. And we are so lucky to have with us today John Durrell, uh, who teaches leadership. Well, actually, what he was saying, and we'll get back into this right now, is actually coaching uh, leadership. John, I thought that that was a very, very interesting comment that you made that you maybe don't teach leadership but you coach it could you give us a little bit more uh, thoughts on what you mean by that sure um, so I teach um, in the Johns Hopkins uh, master's uh, program for museum studies and I had to kind of figure out exactly what I was quote teaching and it came down to um, the course itself has parallel um, tracks. One's kind of less visible than the others. For most of the students, I'm teaching about leadership. And so we're reading, um, you know, you know, if you uh, went to Amazon, you can get about 2000 different books on leadership. Um, There's a lot being said about leadership. It's a buzzword right now. It's a very complex phenomenon. Um, and uh, lots of people have lots of opinions and a little bit of evidence on what makes a good leader. The um, And so that's what we're doing. We're reading about 
leadership. We're we're looking at uh, what people have to say uh, in books and uh, in, in uh, TED talks and places like that, and then discussing what all that means. But there's another thing that goes on because some uh, some of the students are emerging as leaders, already practice leadership. And so there's a little bit of coaching that goes on. In, uh, in my uh, work with, uh, directly with museum directors through executive roundtables and, and other ways, um, there's a lot of coaching that goes on. By that I mean there's no um, cut and dry answer. There's no formula. There's no black and white um, definitions that says, you're a good leader, this is a good leader, this is not a good leader. Um, you've got to discover it for yourself. Um, some I've seen very successful leaders. Uh, you take two successful leaders, and they're very different kinds of people. And so leadership is situational. Uh, it depends on the person. It depends on the job. It depends on the community. I've seen some people succeed in a job um, somebody else just as talented didn't succeed because they just have a different style. So to me, the word coaching makes, makes a lot more sense because there's no straightforward uh, definition of what is successful when you come to a leader. That's interesting. It reminds me of my two favorite wor words in about every uh, instance, and perhaps this is, is showing my age, but when someone asks me a question, uh, you know, should we do it this way or should we do it that way or what are the rules, I always now say, well, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Every, and it, is, it, is situ uh, it, it truly is situational, uh, isn't it? Yeah, and, and then a really masterful leader will gauge the situation and then say, this is the kind of leadership I need to practice right now. That comes with a lot of experience. Um, you know, one of the hallmarks of good leadership is being able to read the situation. That comes from being very observant, but also being a very good listener uh, as other people express their views, um, being sensitive not only to what they're saying, but how they're saying it. And, and then being able to choose your own response in a way that gets positive results. Um, and so I think um, it is situational. But a good leader then really learns how to understand and, and read situations. Can you, uh, can you share with us a, a little bit about different leadership styles Sure. They, are they categorized in certain ways? Again, you have lots of literature, and so there are different ways to look at people. I, um, um, I look at, um, I probably have four or five favorite kind of uh, models or perspectives. I mean, one is um, uh, most all leaders are, see big picture, look far down the road. Those that don't... Uh, tend to be better managers um, and looking at details and, and next steps, whereas uh, leaders uh, can project much further ahead. Now, a person should be both a good manager and a good leader. The, uh, but this kind of uh, ability to envision something far into the future and make sense of it and say, oh, that's something that could possibly happen. Here's some things we could do to position ourselves to take advantage of that or to make that happen. That kind of strategic thinking um, is um, 
one of the um, common strengths among successful museum leaders, among, among successful leaders in general. Within that, though, I find two different kinds of uh, leaders. Some you might call can-do leaders. They'll see that, and then they'll really focus on making it happen. And so they roll up their sleeves, they create plans, they get good people, they push, they want results, they want to make something happen, they feed on the progress. Um, the, um, another type, not necessarily mutually uh, um, uh, exclusive, but it helps me in kind of working with people to, to try to put them in one pot or the other, um, are the ones who, um, who really um, get their uh, enjoyment and, uh, ener- and energy from getting lots of good people around them and then letting those people help to set the direction and make things happen. So some re- the, the, the first kind of leader is very clear about what they want to have happen, and then they marshal the sources to get that to happen. The other ones are ones who... Um, while they may have some clarity of vision, they also really value getting lots of people, building a team to make it happen. Um, both kinds of directors I've seen become very successful uh, in, in running museums. So I'm not saying one is better than the other, but you do see these tendencies among, the, among them. Are there other types? Well, the... Um, some of the literature, and so some of the things that I've observed, um, looks at um, something we would call being savvy. Some museum directors are really savvy, both in terms of political savvy. Savvy, they really understand where the power lies and who's got influence, and they're able to kind of work uh, that understanding to their advantage and to the advantage of the uh, of the institution, so that um, they'll say, "Well, if I do this, that this is what will probably happen," or "I can't do that because that's related to that." So they understand the kind of the social systems uh, in which they operate, and that uh, is um, that's a very uh, important trait. Those people may not necessarily be like some of the others, but not having that, sometimes you can stumble right into um, 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 a quagmire because you didn't understand that this was going to lead to that. The political savvy is also balanced by another really important skill, which is, um, or trait, which is um, business savvy, understanding how the finances work. This is really um, kind of essential for everybody, but there's some leaders that are really good at it. They just get it so they can walk into an organization and fairly quickly determine where the financial strengths and weaknesses are and also come up with initiatives and strategies and entrepreneurial approaches to improve the finances. So those are just some of the ways in which I kind of, as I observe uh, a leader and observe the situation, start to understand who they are, and then also then recognize areas where they may need to be uh, working on improving their own leadership. Sort of polishing their polishing up their skills. 
Right. You know, one of the things that that I think is distinctive, uh, you know, not unique to museums, but is certainly distinctive as we talk about museums as part of the nonprofit realm, is that they they uh, museum uh, directors anyway have to live in two worlds. They live in maybe now that I think about it, three worlds. They have to live in the world of uh, managing inside their organization, all of the staff and volunteers that keep the museum running. They then also have to live in the realm of the board, helping the board and supporting the board and understanding the board is sort of their boss. And then probably the, the third area is uh, being that spokesperson in the community. Uh, and taking some direction and thought and being thoughtful about how the mu- museum is being placed in the community. Uh, I think that's an, an awful big task for one single individual. <laughs> yes, I often say that um, uh, leading a, a nonprofit, uh, directing a museum is far more complicated than uh, running a company uh, where you're the owner or, or you're the uh, uh, executive. The um, and in fact, you know, one of the challenges often is that what we learn about leadership is based on studies of people who run their own businesses or run um, uh, corporations, where the um, where the solutions to the challenges kind of lie in that person being the ultimate boss. And so they can make decisions and they, you know, you can, you can tell people, this is what I want you to do. It doesn't mean they're going to do it. So there are lots of techniques that you have to develop to be persuasive, to be inclusive so that when, um, when you make a decision, the decision actually carries through. But the, the challenge is that's only part of the museum director's job. You can, you can work with your staff that way. And there's a certain amount of, um, uh, respect uh, and inclination to follow the director simply by virtue of the fact that that person is the director. Um, the um, but the museum director also has to, to uh, lead the board, and we use that phrasing very purposefully. Although the museum director is hired by the board, the board hires the museum to re- the director to lead them. The board wants to be led. Most boards really don't know what their job is. And they're also very busy. They're volunteering for this. So they can't spend a lot of time thinking about it. So they want leadership from the director. So the director both has to report to the board, but also has to lead the board. And then, of course, um, civic leadership. You can't really garner the reputation and the resources for your museum that you need if you're not out in the community. And by that, we, we say very consciously, um, civic leadership. Um, You are a leader not only of your institution, but you're also a leader in your community. Um, Jim Collins, um, one of the people I read uh, who who studies management and leadership, talks about nonprofit leaders being more like legislators, uh, legislative leaders, where you've got to bring different um, sources of influence and power together to make something happen. That's that political savvy that I was talking about, understanding how decisions get made and then moving things around so that the right decisions get made, because as the leader, you can't make all the decisions. 
Yes, uh, and and I think uh, certainly in my experience that that has been an area that has tripped up more than than one of one of my colleagues, and I've certainly seen uh, the challenges and the frustrations wrought on some of my my clients, where there there is this sense of. Uh, to use a political phrase common here in Washington these days, leading from behind. (laughs) That's a good phrase. But let's hope you're not behind. You're just kind of in the middle. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. I, I know I have, you know, the other the other phrase that, of course, is bandied around in any kind of leadership discussion. Uh, and I have sort of a love-hate relationship uh, with this. It sounds very pejorative to say I'm hurting cats uh, because we know that cats cannot be herded. But right. on the other hand, cats can be nurtured and you can pick one up and you can tell it how beautiful it is and you can set it on the path and then you bring the next one over and you you nurture it and you say, "Oh, what lovely coat you have!" You, and you set that one on the path. So it it is it is a it is a herding situation, and not being the band leader. Right, right, right. Um, it's a, there's another whole kind of thinking about this where you can't be a leader unless you have followers. It's almost by definition, um, and uh, certainly you're not going to get anywhere uh, if you're not, not able to persuade others to go in the direction you think the, the institution needs to be going. But every leader also is a follower at some point. We, you know, we have positions of leadership, but we also have roles that we play as, uh, uh, as individuals. And so sometimes, like a department head is both a leader and a follower. Well, even an executive director at times must be a follower. And so learning how to be a good follower is probably just as important as learning how to be a good leader. I think that's a very that is a very very good point, John. Uh, we're going to uh, break here, uh, and it, when we come back, we're going to be talking more with John Durrell about leadership and the challenges that are really facing uh, museum leaders today. I wanted to remind all of you that you can reach John Durrell at John Durrell. That's J O H N D U R E L at qm2.org if you need to or want to follow up on the conversation you can always reach me at carolbossertservices.com or drop me a line at carol.bossert at verizon.net and let me know what museum issues you think we should be talking about on the show we'll be back in just a moment with Museum Life Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you been struggling to rediscover your sexual life? How do relationships really work? Are there some topics that should be off the table? Listen for Love, Sex, and Communication with host Rev. Dr. Stuart Block. Dr. Block has spent decades helping adults to have more pleasure, satisfaction, and higher levels of communication. It can mean more pleasurable, caring relationships. Love, Sex, and Communication can be heard live every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. 
Tune in to Our Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every week for Sex Out Loud. Host Tristan Taramino will discuss everything from sexual pleasure to sexual politics. Get an insider's perspective from leaders in the adult film industry, the LGBT community, and the sex-positive world. From kink to non-monogamy, nothing is off-limits. Plus, you can call in to join the conversation. Sex Out Loud airs every Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Museum Life, and I'm Carol Bossert. I'm here today with John Durrell, and we've been talking about museum leaders and and what museum leadership uh, really, really, really means. And John... You know, the other thing that I always hear at any kind of museum gathering, whether it's a state museum association or a region or our national meeting, is that at, when we get into a conversation, eventually someone will say, after they say, you know, what we really need is leadership. Then they say, you know, what we really need is more time. And then someone else will say, well, you know, what we really need is more money. Yes, we do. So given that there is never enough time and goodness knows in these last couple of years, we've known that there's not enough money uh, beyond those big issues, what are the other serious issues facing museum leaders today? Well, it's funny because we often joke there are only two um, two problems in a museum. Um, one you've just mentioned, money. The other one is people. Uh, <laughs> and if you had the right people uh, and the uh, and enough money, um, you, there's nothing you couldn't do. Uh, and and so I think the challenges are, um, you know, I think they're related to what you started with. I mean, that obviously it's money uh, and resources, and it's a huge job. And one of the big surprises for um, for uh, young people as they climb the ladder and they make their way to being an executive director, or if they choose to become an executive director of a smaller organization just how much of their time is devoted to bringing resources into the organization and, um, and that they have to give up uh, the, uh, the, maybe the reason they got into the field because of uh, love of objects or 
uh, love of art, whatever it is, because now they spend most of their time um, cultivating donors or dealing with uh, um, writing grants or dealing with politicians. So, but the, um, the, the, so the challenge there of bringing in the resources is huge. Um, then the other one is getting good people getting the right people, getting and, and then creating the right kind of um, environment within the organization so that those people can blossom and, and do great work, the work that they're capable of. And it's so frustrating to walk into an organization where the staff isn't happy. And it's the unhappiness in part is rooted in the lack of resources, the lack of time, but more importantly, in the, the lack of good leadership and, and, and nobody seems to have figured out or be stepping up to solve the resource problems. Um, so to me, those are, those are the two things. We talk about um, helping leaders do two things. One is to build organizations that are highly valued and financially sustainable and then the second thing is to get better as, at leadership. Those are the two things that we work on when we coach um, coach museum directors. But a museum has to be highly valued. That means you have to understand what people want, what people need, what the trends are in learning and education, um, what donors value, uh, what your partners value, what your community needs. You've got to do all of that. And then you've got to do it in such a way that you get the resources necessary to fulfill the mission. Um, so those, and in a nutshell, those are the two things that museum directors need to be working on. Now, of course, within each one of them, there's a whole host of uh, individual parts that are challenging. You may be very good at one thing, but you've got a real weakness in another area. You know, one of the things that occurs to me, John, we were uh, before the break, we were were sort of lamenting the challenges of being a museum director and that they have to live in three realms of, uh, you know, the staff, the board and the community. The the other uh, challenge, I think, uh, for any museum leader, but certainly the CEO, is that it's pretty lonely at the top, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. Um, and um I mean, we have addressed that issue with um, with some museum directors where we, we create peer learning opportunities. Um, you, It's lonely, um, but most directors that I know have figured out some way where they can pick up the phone and call somebody who's a, who is a colleague, but they've developed a relationship, so it's a colleague they can trust that that person will give them honest feedback, give them a fresh perspective on whatever they're dealing with. Um, and we do this uh, in what we call roundtables, where we have a group of about a dozen directors who meet three times a year to um, um, help one another uh, come up with pra practical solutions to some of these vexing issues that they're dealing with, whether it's with funding or personnel, or you've got a, a board member who's not uh, who's making trouble or you um, uh, didn't get as much money from a donor that you thought you were going to get and now you're having to make adjustments and so forth whatever these very practical issues are um, that um, and, and of course the the confidentiality part the part 
that makes it lonely is there are just certain things you can't say uh, in public or you're not ready to tell your board yet or you're not you can't tell your staff yet so that's part of it and then the other part is on your own leadership and your own questioning as to how can I do this how can I get better at this what's what's not working for me um, and um, if, if you're honest with yourself you know you need to talk to peers because they're dealing with the same thing and you got to figure out with their help exactly how you can step up and do it Yes, and so I think every leader or leader in training out there needs to have at least one good buddy. Absolutely, and of course there's leadership development programs um, and leadership coaching that's available. Um, and uh, and again, the leaders that we work with, the, the museum directors that we work with, have you know f- figured this out. And some have two or three different kind of ways in which they get the the, the support. Uh, and uh, and the insights and the knowledge that they need. You know, uh, uh, John, I don't want to leave this program without talking a little bit about something that you and I have talked about several times and earlier, is that you can be a leader even if you're not the CEO. And I think that's a really important point to get across, uh, particularly in museums where there can be sort of a, 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 a much more of a horizontal structure uh, than you would in a corporation. Right. I, you know, I talked about uh, at the beginning that leadership being something of a journey or a, 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 a process over time at, in, in which you gain skills and that the difference between having a leadership position and actually learning how to become a leader. Um, and so anybody uh, in an organization um, can step up to playing a role as a leader. It may be very informal, um, but uh, there are opportunities also um, in, in project work, uh, in, in working on teams and so forth, to demonstrate and take on the role of leader. And and by taking on the role of leader, we mean um, having um, a presence within the group, helping the group make good decisions, um, being uh, assertive as well as being a participant, being active uh, in in the process, uh, and then doing so in a way that other people pay attention and ultimately say, "Yes, I think you're right. We will follow you." So that's the that's the process, and that can happen anywhere in an organization. One of the challenges for the executive director sometimes is that they see leadership uh, among staff who don't have leadership positions. And then they see people in leadership positions who aren't particularly good at leadership. And we end up paying the people with the greatest potential uh, less than people who have less potential, but they've just been around for a long time. And so to be able to work that and to provide ways in which um, younger or more junior people have opportunities to develop themselves, but also contribute to the institution um, that kind of looking at their potential and developing it. Uh, one of the things we, uh, tools that we give to um, executive directors is a whole process of um, how do you go about delegating in such a way that you're coaching and helping people become more competent so that they can be delegated more to. Um, and at the same time, you're holding them accountable. 
so that you're not delegating something and then all of a sudden you're surprised because it didn't it didn't go well. Um, and um, so this process, you know, part of the job of the leader is to coach and develop and, and bring up leaders within the organization. And for young people or junior people in an organization is to raise your hand and say, I'd like more responsibility. I'd like to play a role there so that they can gain those um, those skills. You know, um, John, just uh, because you are working with uh, with graduate students, I'm, I'm sure they you know run the gamut of, of age of uh, right out of college and maybe uh, returning after they've they've been out in the workforce a little bit in your uh, uh, master's, uh, the museum master's programs at Hopkins. So because you are in uh, uh, in contact with so many uh, new, bright uh, leaders of the future, uh what what uh what's your impression of the next generation of museum leaders are they up to the tasks of no money and not enough resources and the wrong people uh, yes <laughs> they're um i'm very optimistic they're very smart uh, they're committed they're passionate about uh about museums um they understand the um the Discussion forum uh, with the class, which is all online. Um, um, I'm very impressed with their um, both their insights, but the questions that they raise and the comparisons that they make as they bring their own uh, experiences and situations into the conversation. Um, yeah, I think uh, I, I think we're in good hands. I sometimes joke um, because I'm um, you know at the tail end of my long career with museums. I'm not ready to retire yet, but uh, I'm still having a good time. But you know I've been at it for a long time now, and uh, I sometimes joke with them, you know, that, that um, I was young once, and we did all sorts of wonderful things, uh, and now their job is to fix what we did um, because things that work now, um, you know, the world changes, and so you have to keep up. And I think a lot of the things that my generation brought to the museum world and the things that we uh, were very creative about and innovative, those things uh, have gone by the wayside now. This new generation is just as bright, if not brighter. They're certainly uh, in tune with the technology changes and the demographic changes that we have to deal with um, that uh, are are, uh, changing our whole culture and our whole economy. Um, and um, yeah, no question, they're up to the task. Um, as with everything, they'll have to continue to learn, continue to adapt, read the situation. Some will stumble, but uh, on the whole, I'm very optimistic about the future. So you don't see that there's a leadership gap in our uh, in in our museum world. I mean, that was something that a couple of years ago, I think it was Pew was doing a uh, uh, had had done a survey on uh, uh, leaders in nonprofits, and there was some real concern that that you know we were just going to have this big gap. Yeah, I think there were kind of um, two drivers of that. One is. We, the baby boom generation, there's so many more of us that as we relinquished um, 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 uh, jobs, positions of authority, director's jobs, um, that there just would not be as many young people um, in the pool. The second was that um, the, um, the, the boomers weren't 
yet ready to retire, weren't able to retire. And so a lot of the young people would get frustrated and move out of the field. And I've seen a little bit of that. But um, I think I know so many young people right now who are eager to take on uh, director's jobs. Uh, And I think that as um, uh, inevitably the baby boomer generation will move on to other things and um, the um, they're ready, you know, they're just eager to take them on. And it's really a joy when you see somebody get a job and spread their wings and, and um, start to um, feel really good about themselves and the differences they can make when they're in charge. That is, that's wonderful to hear, John. I, I, I know that all of us who have been in the field for a few years now, uh, uh, you know, I too am of your generation, and uh, we're we're anxious to see uh, all of the good work that we've done come to fruition. But we're also, I think, ready, most of us, to uh, begin to uh, to write and to coach and to be supportive of this younger generation. Absolutely, I mean, it re- it really does feel good, I, and. You know, when you, you reach a stage uh, in, in your own career where the, a lot, and of course, this goes back to who I am. Even when I first started kind of uh, uh, in leadership and taking on roles, recognizing that part of my job was to, to build strong relationships and to coach and cultivate others so that they could do good work. Um, but it's particularly rewarding for me. Uh, at this stage to have these opportunities through Hopkins and through the Seminar for Historical Administration to um, to help people see themselves as leaders, learn some of the skills and learn about a lot of the issues that leaders have to deal with uh, and then kind of help them on their way. So it, it is a very gratifying time for me right now. Well, John, if I uh, if I had been a museum director, I would want you to be my coach. <laughs> I'd welcome you, Carol. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. This has been a wonderful program today, John. Thank you so very much. I want to remind my listeners that you can uh, connect with John at John Durrell at qm2.org. Uh, and if you are a leader or a leader, leader in waiting, uh, please take advantage of some of the uh, programs and organizations or reach out to a buddy uh, uh, to, uh, to help us all ex- strengthen our museum community by building and nurturing strong leaders. You can also always reach me at carolbossertservices.org and uh, continue the conversation. Let me know what you're thinking at carol.bossert at verizon.net. We'll be back next week with another uh, edition of Museum Life. Thank you for tuning in this week to Museum Life. Please join your host, Carol Bossert, again next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What museum issue is on your mind? Tell Carol at carol.bossert at verizon.net. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 